Hey everybody, and welcome back to MedTalks. It's been a little while since our last episode, but we're back. In this episode, we'll be exploring the demographics and statistics of cancer, and what important facts and details you should know to understand the cancer risk to you and your family. Hey professor, I have a couple of questions from last class. Go ahead and ask away. How deadly is cancer in reality? Because I hear from my family members that cancer is very dangerous, and I don't know if that is true or not. According to Globacon, which is a cancer database released by the Descriptive Epidemiology Group of the International Agency for Research on Cancer, the number of individuals who have died to 36 different types of cancer was greater than 10 million people. Oh, that is a lot of people. Do you know the number of people who were diagnosed with cancer in 2020? so I can get a relative estimate of how deadly cancer really is? Sure, that is a good idea. According to the same source, the number of new cancer cases in 2020 from the same 36 types of cancer is greater than 19.2 million, which makes the average death rate of 36 different types of cancer to be around 52%. Oh no, that is a high death rate. But does that average death rate vary depending on age or gender? Yes. It definitely varies for age. This occurs because our cells get damaged throughout our lifetime. This can occur due to natural processes during the cell division process, or it could happen due to external factors like sunlight or other carcinogens. Although, to counter this negative process, there is an inbuilt mechanism to repair the damaged cells or replace the old and worn out cells with new functional cells. However, as we age, the old and damaged cells accumulate throughout our body. And since these old cells do not function properly, there is a higher chance that they will not spot mutations that can lead to cancer. However, don't panic about the high death rate. Since people are living longer than ever, there is a higher chance that the human population will experience cancer more frequently. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So what about gender? Does that do anything? Gender does play a role in cancer incidence. However, it has a much lower influence on cancer frequency compared to age. Gender affects a lot of important attributes that lead to or hamper cancer. For example, gender influences the efficacy and toxicity to anti-cancer drugs, pathophysiology, clinical science, and treatment outcomes and responses in cancer. Ah, I see. So which gender has a higher frequency of cancer? Unfortunately, Males have a higher incidence rate of cancer than females. Approximately, males' cancer incidence rate is 20% higher than females, and males' death rates are roughly 40% higher than females. So do you know why females have better statistics than males? That's a tough question. And my answer is, sort of. A biological explanation is that the hormonal differences between females and males may cause the disparity in the statistics. In my opinion, the hormone estrogen plays a big role in the divergence. Females have a significantly higher concentration of estrogen compared to males. Through complicated molecular interactions and pathways, the estrogen molecule has also some anti-cancer properties like regulating a protein that causes increased differentiation of B and T cells. However, estrogen also increases the probability that one has thyroid cancer which is more common among females than males. Additionally, a social explanation could be that men on average smoke and drink more often than women, which could account 
for the increased incidence in males. Oh, okay. That is pretty interesting. Don't take my word for that, though. There is still much needed research in this area to say definitive conclusions. Yeah, I understand. Also, do you know how race can affect cancer incidence? Like, are there some racial groups more susceptible to cancer while others are more resistant? Yes, there is an association between cancer and race. According to statistics, African Americans are the most susceptible to cancer. After them, there are Caucasians, Hispanics, Asian Americans, and Native Americans. Keep in mind that these are just general statistics about the whole race, and a lot of it depends on an individual's characteristics and lifestyle. Oh, really? What individualistic factors can affect cancer incidence? Lifestyle behaviors are crucial in deciding and predicting the rate of cancer incidence. These include diet, physical exercise, sun exposure, smoking, and alcohol use. There are also specific genetic factors that can cause cancer, like a family history of cancer. Ironically, though, the socioeconomic status of a person also quite determines the probability of having cancer. Economically advantaged people can have good medical insurance, regular doctor checkups, and cancer screenings, which all lead to possible early detection of cancer. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, I had this question for a long time. Yeah, what is it? Is the cancer infection rate and the death rate at all decreasing? Because every day I hear more and more about cancer, which makes me think that it's going out of hand. That question is in most people's minds. After seeing the news and hearing about the cases of relatives, many people are thinking that way. But fortunately, the cancer death rate is decreasing and is possibly at its lowest in modern medical history. Also, one possible reason for the increased awareness of cancer is caused by increased medical checkups and screening worldwide and a better understanding and knowledge about cancer. Oh, that is a relief. Okay. So, are scientists and researchers working on new potential treatments or therapy for cancer? Yes, the scientific community is researching rigorously to find an optimal and efficient therapy to treat cancer. So, do you know any current or modern research areas that scientists are focusing on to find therapies for cancer? Immunotherapy and molecularly targeted therapies are current zones of focused research to develop innovations and find breakthroughs in the field of cancer treatment. Oh, so how does immunotherapy work? As a part of its normal function, the immune system detects and destroys abnormal cells and most likely prevents or curbs the growth of many cancers. Even though the immune system can prevent or slow cancer growth, cancer cells have ways to avoid destruction by the immune system. For example, cancer cells may have genetic changes that make them less visible to the immune system, or they may have proteins on their surface that turn off immune cells. They can change the normal cells around the tumor, so they interfere with how the immune system responds to the cancer cells. Immunotherapy overall helps the immune system work more efficiently and effectively in treating cancer. What are examples of immunotherapy in action? Some examples include immune checkpoint inhibitors and T-cell transfer therapy. Immune checkpoint inhibitors, which are drugs that block immune checkpoints, these checkpoints are a normal part of the immune system and keep immune responses from being too strong. By blocking them, these drugs allow immune cells to respond more strongly to cancer.
and T-cell transfer therapy, which is a treatment that boosts the natural ability of your T-cells to fight cancer. In this treatment, immune cells are taken from your tumor. Those that are most active against your cancer are selected or changed in the lab to better attack your cancer cells, grown in large batches and put back into your body through a needle in a vein. There are other treatment methods in immunotherapy, like monoclonal antibodies, treatment vaccines, and immune system modulators. Oh, wow, that is really interesting. So does molecularly targeted therapy work similarly to immunotherapy, or is it different? Sort of, but there are distinct differences. Targeted cancer therapies are drugs or other substances that block the growth and spread of cancer by interfering with specific molecules, quote-unquote, molecular targets, that are involved in growth, progression, and spread of cancer. Targeted cancer therapies are sometimes called molecularly targeted drugs, or molecularly targeted therapies, or precision medicine, or other similar names. Targeted therapies are currently the focus of much anti-cancer drug development. They are a cornerstone of precision medicine, a form of medicine that uses information about a person's genes and proteins to prevent, diagnose, and treat disease. Many targeted cancer therapies have been approved by the FDA to treat specific types of cancer. Others are being instituted in clinical trials, and many more are in preclinical testing. Oh, that is really good to hear. I'm glad that the scientific community and humanity as a whole are taking big leaps in medical research to improve cancer treatment. Yeah, it is very optimistic. But what excites me the most is that this just shows how much humans do not know about life and a human body and how much more we can learn. That is very interesting. I'm going to tell my parents about this and I'm also going to think about what other ways we can improve the treatment of cancer. Definitely. The more minds we have working on a problem, the quicker it will be solved. Yeah, thank you so much for the class today. I really appreciate it. See you next time. Bye. Have a good day. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our fifth episode of MedTalks and the second episode of the Cancer Series. We hope you liked it. If you want to contact us or want more information, please check out our Instagram page at MedTalks underscore official. Next episode will be about the current treatments and prevention methods of cancer. Until then, stay safe and see you next time on MedTalks.